Good morning and welcome to the St. Giles Sermon Podcast. This morning we read from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, starting at the 31st verse. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's been two years since the war in Ukraine began, and I'm sure that those of you who follow the news will have heard some updates this week. And I heard an interesting portrayal of Vladimir Zelensky on a podcast this week that was told by the person who wrote the book, I believe it's called Showman, about his life, right? Because he's had an interesting life. He was a comedian first. He actually did a television show about an actor who became president of Ukraine. And if you haven't watched it, it's worth watching. It's an interesting, well, I haven't finished it, but it is an interesting kind of of show. Um, The biographer talked about how much work he put into everything he does and how he did a lot of improv at the beginning. And any of you who've ever done improv know that it requires you to immediately let go of who you are and become whatever they tell you to be. So if I was to say, Joanne, get up and be a doctor, is Joanne going to get up and be a doctor? In improv, absolutely. She's going to act like a doctor. If I'm going to say, Beth, it's time for you to be a pizza parlor, you know, creator, she's going to have to do that. And that is his training. That training served him very well as he moved from comedy into television. And then again from television into leadership. And that was perhaps his most interesting transition because it required so much that was so different than anything he had done before. But in this book the author described the moment that the invasion began and how Zelensky prepared for what was to come. And he has said this in an interview where he gave himself a pep talk. And he said, the world is watching and they are expecting something from me. And so he went out and he became what he thought Ukraine needed and what he thought the world was waiting for. Now, we don't know whether this is good or bad. We do not stand 20 years in the future. We don't know exactly how things will play out, but I do think it's important for us to reflect on how he let go 
of who he was to become what he thought was needed in that moment. And that stands in stark contrast to the messaging we hear every day in this world. I mean, you've heard it, right? Live your bliss. Follow your heart. You do you. It's very focused on what you enjoy and what you love. In that moment, when war happened, he didn't say, follow your bliss, I'm going to follow my bliss. If he had done that, he probably would have fleed, right? Instead, he doubled down and sunk into that authority. He set aside himself in order to serve the community. That sounds good, right? Sounds good. Like we should all do that, right? So then why does Peter get so upset when Jesus starts teaching about how he's going to do that very thing? Jesus says, trouble is in store for me. The elders and the chief priests and the scribes, well, they're going to reject me. I'm going to be killed. And after three days, I will be raised. In that moment, he talks about how he's going to lay down his entire self. And he walks into this circumstance. And he starts telling them, I'm I'm walking there. This is where I am going. And he does this because this is what we need, which is beautiful for us to contemplate on this side of the resurrection. But for Peter, who is not quite there yet, it doesn't make sense, and it's incredibly disappointing. You have to think about what Peter was expecting of Jesus. He doesn't understand that what is going to come is, in fact, the greatest gift that the world will ever know. He has no idea what in three days he'll be raised even means. Peter hears a story of failure. And perhaps in this moment, he's starting to question things that he has done. After all, he left everything behind to follow Jesus, and now Jesus is promising failure. Jesus is promising nothing that was expected. No victory, no military might, nothing that was expected. And that's not a comfortable place to be. He might be worried about what people are thinking. Maybe he's thinking, my wife, she is not going to be happy when she finds out that this went south. He's trying to make sense of what Jesus has said. And instead of actually sitting in and waiting for Jesus to continue, what does Peter do? Peter does what all good leaders do, right? He takes him aside and he's like, okay, you know what? We're going to have a talk here, Peter. We're going to have a talk and I'm going to go talk to Jesus. And and Peter gets courage up and he goes over and he says, Jesus, no. No. We actually don't know exactly what he said. I'm sure there were many more words. Because when you read the stories of Peter, he has a lot to say. Peter is not adapting well to this shift in tone from Jesus to this new revelation. He doesn't adapt well 
Our rock-solid Peter is not solid here. Because Peter wants Jesus to be what he wants him to be. And he wants things to remain the way he likes them. He's comfortable there. We like our comfort, don't we? But in this moment, when Jesus is speaking to the world, making a statement about what is to come, there is not a lot of comfort for them offered because they don't understand what he is saying. Have you ever been uncomfortable with the word of God? I have. In fact, fairly regularly I am. When you open up the holy book and you read what God expects of you, sometimes you think, this is a lot. And it's not always comfortable. Because God is asking us to let go of our comfort so that we can, in fact, reach others. Peter hasn't quite come to terms with that yet. And his reaction is all about him. It's about his needs, his wants, his desires, his expectations. And Jesus, Jesus isn't having any of it. He calls him out for his self-centered view, tells him to get behind where you belong, let go of the evil thoughts, Release all of that, Peter, and follow me. Do what I say. He turns to the others and he doubles down on this message. He says, you need to be willing to release your way. You need to be willing to let go of what you want in order to follow what is right. Sometimes what we want falls in line with what is right. But when the road ahead is hazy and God says go, Jesus asks, are you willing to go and let go of your comfort and move into the unknown? Are you willing to set down fear and pick up faith? Are you willing to trust me and follow? He talks a lot about following and he talks about loss How we need to be willing to walk into loss in order to gain life. And while we think about loss often as death, that loss might not be what we think it is. We know that some of his followers do eventually lose their lives, but they lose more than that. In order for them to follow Jesus well, Jesus says you must loosen your grip on what you expect. Set it down and follow me. Jesus says you need to loosen your grip on what you want and do what God envisions. Walking faithfully with me, Jesus says, means being willing to release, to lose, to let die your understanding, your comfort, your hopes for the future, your plans for freedom. And trust that God's plan here is the plan that you need. And that trust can be hard. 
Because sometimes we have to follow not knowing why things have happened, not knowing where God is going with this. Sometimes we have to follow and we wind up in something that seems like a failure, but God uses it for good. I want you to imagine how hard it is for them to hear these words and to remember that they had seen moments of brilliance, moments of absolute might and power from Jesus. They had felt his presence. They knew what was possible from him. And so to hear him prophesy of the end in this way, it just brought disappointment. Remember how last week we talked about resistance? How the closer you get to God's way, the more you will feel that resistance, that pushback in your life? Well, we see that happening to Jesus right here. The closer he gets to God's way, which, I mean, he's always in God's way, but he's getting closer to the end, the more resistance, the more struggle, the more people turn. This resistance, I admit, is a little different from last week. He's not met by the devil directly, but he's met by the devil. Get behind me, Satan, is exactly what he says. And this kind of resistance is far more familiar to us, I suspect. For we've all felt resistance from friends. Friends who've said, are you sure you should be doing that? Don't you think you do too much? For too many. Why is it that you are always giving in this world? Why don't you take something for yourself? In our lives, the closer we get to God's way, the more we experience that same resistance. And there will be bumps in the road. Loud voices saying, no, you should stop, don't. There will be anger and frustration. People who call us crazy for wanting to change this world. People who will call us crazy for living with hope. It would be far easier for us, I'm sure, to stop as opposed to persevere, yet persevere we do. For we follow Jesus. And in doing so, we know the possibilities. This requires us to set down our self-centered ways of thinking. It requires us to let go of what we think God wants and be open to God's leading. It requires us to sink into the word and really follow his direction so that we live as Jesus lived for the good of all, building this world, sharing love and hope, creating neighborhoods of connection. We must trust and follow, denying our comfort for the sake of those who need comforting. Zelensky tried to set aside his discomfort for the comfort of the nation. In the history books, as I said, they'll state whether he succeeded or not. But he is one example of many in this world who try to do this every day. And Jesus says, this is the call upon our lives. To sit down 
what is good for us so that the good of everyone might be possible. Imagine if we all set down what was good for us. We're all then working for each other together, creating the most beautiful of worlds. It's not always easy to trust that someone else is going to pick up what you need. But Jesus shows us that we need to live in that way. Have you settled perhaps a little too much into what is comfortable for you? Are you willing to risk discomfort for the sake of the gospel? When resistance pushes on your life, do you push back? Or do you stop when things get a little rough? Trusting God, following Jesus, it's not always easy, but it's always worth it. For it leads to a world where people are valued, where comfort is given to those who need it where neighborhoods are built instead of walled-off fortresses, where Jesus' vision of grace and love flowing out, where the kingdom of God is in fact built, where it starts to seem more possible. And we know that if we work with Jesus, anything is possible, especially that which he has promised. These are things that are worth working for. Things that are worth denying ourselves so that all might live, that all might be forgiven and free.